0: Well guys, uh, like I said, we, uh, we're going to do a little different today since we're, we're uh, kind of at this place with our, with our music today. Um, I want to continue our series in Matthew chapter 7 as we look at this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I've said this to you each week, but let me remind you again that the message that we're looking at and examining was one sermon that Jesus preached. He is casting a vision for what what the kingdom will look like that he has come to establish and to build. He is trying to prepare those who will eventually follow him at this point. He's, he's very early in his ministry. Uh, we, we haven't really seen him, uh, call all the disciples and and that whole 12 begin to form and to follow him and move from town to town. He's just casting a vision and, and saying, this is how the kingdom of God is going to be different than anything you've ever imagined. This is, this is how the kingdom of God is going to meet your needs, how it's going to, to, um, to place a call upon your life how it's going to help you to know where to go and what to do and so he's begun to uh to explain this and to to lay it all out and and we we've looked at the way that he's come to the Pharisees and he's come to the the leaders of that day and said you know hey you, you've heard that it's been said but but the truth is this. And, and you've been taught this, but but this is reality. And this is truth. He's examined the teachings and the, and the, the mis-teachings of the Pharisees. He's examined their hearts. He's examined their motives. I mean, Jesus has just drilled down deep to expose the the false assumptions that many times we bring into this world. And, and as Jesus has done that now, we said last week that he kind of makes a pivot. He's been exposing all this false stuff and giving them the truth. And now he's going to, to pivot and he's going to spend the rest of this sermon, the rest of the, the chapter 7 in Matthew, talking to those who are going to be his potential followers. And he he changes his tone from, from being this tone of you hypocrites to being a father that is tenderly speaking to his child, who begins to to call them to himself, begins to reveal what this relationship with God will really look like, because for them the relationship with God had been a very legalistic wooden thing. Here's the rules, you got to keep them. Here's ten commandments, you got to keep them. Here's all the additions of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the ruling councils, and you better keep their rules. And, and here's the punishment if you don't, and it just became very wooden and very harsh and, and he's going to change the tone now and talk about this intimate relationship that God wants to have with his children. And so in chapter 7 here, when we get to verse 7, uh, you're going to see a, a shift in, in the tone uh, and a shift in the focus of who he's talking to. And, um, and, and the reason that Jesus does that is that it's very obvious that what the Pharisees were doing was not working. This legalism that we can so easily slide into is not what God intended for us. God intended for us to have a relationship with him, not just a a set of rules that we try to check off and we keep. Now, those rules can be important because they, they set some boundaries, But, but if all we do is focus on the rules, if all we do is say, well, here's a rule I got to keep, let me make sure I check that off. Here's, here's the thing that I've got to do. Let me make sure that I, that I complete that. You know, uh, I, I don't go to God's word because I love God. I go to God's word because the Bible says, well, I need to read God's word. So here's my 30 minutes today. Let me just read the Bible and check that box off. Okay. Well, I need to pray today. Well, let me, let me get over here and let me pray for, you know, for a little while and I can check that off the list. And, and and it can become very, very wooden. I had a friend of mine that was a pastor. And he was, he was one of these guys that, that was a very much a, a routine person. He, he loved routine. It brought him comfort. And, 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 and one day we were talking and he revealed to me how that he has his time with the Lord. And he literally would set his watch. He'd say, okay, in, in, in eight minutes it's going to beep. And so for eight minutes I've got to pray. And then for this many minutes I need to read. And for this many minutes I need to. And, and he set alarms on his watch. And that's how he monitored if he had done right that day. I'm going, whoa, whoa, hang on. Is that really what God's after is to, to get eight minutes of prayer and 12 minutes of Bible reading and 10 more minutes of this? Or, or is God into us being in a relationship with him? So the Pharisees had slipped into this legalism and, and it was all about these rules and doing it right and making sure that you check off all the boxes. That may be very appealing to you. You may be a, 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 a person who loves routine and loves something to be just boom, 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 boom. And, and, and that may be very appealing to you, but that's rough on a relationship. It, it's rough if, if it's just the same thing over and over and over and over again without this fresh breath, without this relationship, without this dynamic of two people interacting with one another and, and coming into a, a deeper relationship with one another. And so what the Pharisees had has, was, was not been working. It was flawed and and so what we're going to talk about today is this fundamental flaw and then this singular solution that Jesus uh, comes and presents to uh, the people that are, that are listening to that day. Uh, at, at our basic core, guys, all of us desire to be loved. Um, some folks will act like they don't want to be loved, but it's because they've been burned by love or they're afraid of love, or, or they're fearful that if they reach out and, and try to engage in love, that they're somehow going to be rejected and, and, and scorned, and so they just give up trying. But, but at the core of who we are, we want to be loved, and we look to a lot of different things to help us find love. Some folks will will pour themselves into a career thinking that if they can just climb the ladder and get higher and higher and, 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 and more and more important, that that, that level that they reach is going to cause people to admire them and to love them. And they think that's what the love is that they're looking for, and they they turn to careers. Some look to their finances or their money or, or their relationships with other people to define who they are and, and to kind of put them in a position where people will love them. And, and we look to a lot of different things to fill this emptiness that's inside of us this desire to be loved and 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 so for the pharisees they look to their religion to to fill their heart they look for their religion to to give them the the prestige and the power and the position that would hopefully cause people to love and respect them they would do their acts out in front of the public to to be seen by the public and and part of that reason was they're trying they're not bad people but they're trying to say, love me, love me. Look, I'm religious, I love God, you love me back. And it wasn't working. They're looking for unconditional love, but but they're looking for it by what they're doing. And, and, and by definition, it's not unconditional if I can earn it. It's not unconditional if I can deserve it. It's not unconditional if I can do something that causes you to have to love me. And what our hearts are longing for is somebody to love us unconditionally and so jesus comes to the pharisees and he 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 comes now to those that are in the crowd and what he's going to say to them today is just so so profound you're looking for love you're searching everywhere for it you're you're knocking on every door and you're saying hey Maybe this will be the door that finds true love. Maybe this will be the door that, that brings me my, my happy ever after. Maybe, maybe this career or maybe this person or, or maybe this toy or maybe this house or maybe this vehicle or maybe these clothes. Maybe this thing can bring me the love that, that I'm longing for. And, and so Jesus comes in to say, guys, those things can, can never work. And, and like the Pharisees who were searching for somebody to love them, even the crowds that were gathered around Jesus that day were longing for somebody to love them. You and I are no different. We long to be loved. We long to be accepted. Uh, a lot of what we do is to try to get people to love us. And sometimes we do great things. We, we do good, kind things. We do generous things. We, we do things for others in hopes that somehow that will gain their love. That that will earn their respect. That we will somehow garner their admiration, so we try to work for this love, or maybe we try to to find a way to earn it through the things that we do. We come and we try to deserve to to be loved, we even try to do these good things and be kind, and, and we find principles in scripture that, that 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 encourage us to to think of others, and we do those things, thinking that somehow those things can bring us unconditional love but all of those efforts come up short and when those efforts don't provide what our heart really longs for when it's trying to stick that square peg in the round hole when it's taking this this emptiness this 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 god-shaped vacuum that's inside of us and trying to fill it with something other than god when that happens and it doesn't fit and it doesn't feel or it doesn't last for long, we end up getting disappointed. And sometimes we can get angry. We can blame others. Well, you know, I, 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 could, fi- I could be somebody if that boss would have just promoted me when I was supposed to be promoted. I could just be somebody if if they hadn't discriminated against me, if they hadn't hurt me, if that person hadn't wounded me, if that person hadn't stuck the knife in my back, then I could be somebody and people would like me and they would love me, they would respect me. But anytime we try to take anything of this world and fill this God-shaped vacuum that's inside of us, it, it can't satisfy, at least not for long. I was telling a group last night, one of my favorite commercials, and it's been 25 years ago, but it sticks in my mind, was back when personal computers had just kind of started hitting the market, and everybody was out to get the latest, greatest computer, you know, and there, there was this commercial with a guy in a convertible car, and he's driving his convertible car, and the wind's blowing his hair, and he's got his arm wrapped around this big computer box, and it's the latest, greatest model of computer, and, and so here he is riding down the road, he's got his arm around his computer box, he's so proud of this, you know, I-17 that he's got, you know, and he's got his arm wrapped around it and he's just sitting there driving and he comes up to a red light and he looks up and there's a billboard and the billboard is for the latest, greatest, I-18. <laughs> he hadn't even got it home and there's already a new model that's out there. And, and I don't know why that stuck in my mind so much, but it, but it has because that's what the things of the world do. They, they promise us to bring us satisfaction. They promise to, to bring us everything we've longed for. And before we can even get it unboxed, there's something else they're promising us that would make us even happier. And we chase from thing to thing to thing in this world trying to find that one thing that would truly satisfy us. And, and when it doesn't, we can get disappointed. We can grow angry In James chapter 4, I think James kind of nails the the heart of the problem here. And this is what he says in James chapter 4. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? In other words, what, what causes you to get sideways with each other? What is it that causes problems in our relationships with one another? He says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? In other words, I think there's this desire inside of us to be loved. And when somebody can't do that, we grow angry. We we get into a marriage sometimes thinking, man, I'm going to marry Mr. or Miss Perfect, and they're going to fulfill every need I have. And then when they don't, we're disappointed. And we get angry. Why? Because there's this desire inside of us that they can't meet. And and we desire and have this battle that desire, this, this desire that battles within us, and we want something, but we don't get it. And he says, You kill and you covet. If you can't give it to me, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force you or I'm going to take it myself. And, and he says, but you can't have what you want. And you quarrel and you fight and you don't have because you don't ask God. You're looking to the wrong thing to satisfy that thing that only God can satisfy. So we, we get sideways with others. We get disappointed when others can't meet my needs. We, we get disappointed when people don't do things the way that I think they ought to do them. We, we dis- get disappointed when people don't follow us or admire us or, or appreciate us. But what we're really doing is looking to them to satisfy something that only God can do. He says, you don't have because you don't ask God. He is the source. Or, or when you do ask, you, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you can spend what you get on your pleasures. And, and so, Lord, I, here's what I need, God. If I just had this, everything would be great. Well, why do you need that? I need that so others will love me. I need that so others will think good of me. I need that so that others will admire me. And God says, it's really all about you. And that's why we don't get some of the things that we need. Because it's all about us. You ask with the wrong motives. So that you can spend what you get on your pleasures. And he goes on to say, you adulterous world, uh, you adulterous people, you, you, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. He's saying you can't run to the world to meet those needs that only God can meet. And, and when we've pledged ourselves to God, but we adulterate ourselves with the world, we, we, we pledge to to follow the Lord but we are chasing after the things of the world and thinking that they can somehow satisfy us then we've set ourselves up for a problem it's a fundamental flaw in our thinking and so Jesus understands that fundamental flaw that that that, that craving of the heart to be loved and he says that's the fundamental flaw is that we go after the things of the world to try to fill this emptiness that only God can fill and there's a fundamental flaw But there's also a singular solution, and that singular solution is this relationship with God. And that's where Jesus takes us today in our passage in Matthew chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he says this. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Now this passage, if we just simply plucked it out of scripture and, and took it just as, as a whole right there, could be used to justify just about anything we want. If you ask God, he says, I'll give it to you. No matter what it is you're asking God for. If you seek, then, you know, after the, the, the treasures and the things that are going to make you happy, then God will give you the things that will make you happy. It, it, this This passage has been used... By, by prosperity preachers for years and years to, to say and to claim that anything that you ask God, God's got to give to you. And is that really what God is saying here? It's not. How do we know that? We look at the context. Where, where's Jesus at in this, in this sermon? What has Jesus been saying? He's already said to us in, in chapter 6 don't worry. Dalton talked about that a couple of weeks back. Don't worry. God, God will, will, will quench the thirst of your soul. Don't worry about what you drink. He uses a physical analogy of drinking and eating and clothing, but he's talking about God quenching the thirst of our soul, about God satisfying the hunger of our heart, and, and, and of God providing the, the, the clothing of righteousness that comes through Christ. He's already promised us to meet our, our physical needs. He's already promised to, to meet our spiritual needs. He's, he's saying here, he's not saying that, 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 that what you need to do here is a formula. Because this is what people do. They'll, they'll look for a formula, instead of looking to the Father. They think this verse is talking about getting stuff from God instead of getting God himself. Or they'll think it's all about religion and not about a relationship. Now, Jesus is saying something here. He's saying, I want to tell you that what your heart longs for. Again, he's turning and pivoting now to those who are going to follow him. He's saying that, that that desire of your heart to be unconditionally loved? I'm going to tell you where to get that need met. I want to tell you where, where to go to find unconditional love. I want to tell you how to, how to enter into a relationship that, that is satisfying. Uh, I want to tell you how to, how, to, how to draw close and be intimate with somebody at a level that you've never ever experienced before. Now, this is radical stuff for the Jews, the Jews believed that they couldn't even say God's name. They, they made up names and, and took a, parts of the, the, the word and made a new word to, to be able to express who they're talking about when they said God, but they couldn't even say God's name, much less to think that they could be in an intimate relationship with God. This is radical stuff for them the name Yahweh was a name that they'd made up to 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 be able to keep from saying God's name because they thought that God's name was so holy and God was so perfect and God was so far off that we couldn't dare mention his name or that would be that would just be unheard of and so for the jews this is a a radical thing for jesus to say that 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 they can find what their hearts are longing for in god and in god alone and in an intimate relationship with god and and so he says you're looking for unconditional love you're looking for everlasting love well let me tell you where to find it you ask and god will give it you seek and you're gonna find it you knock and god's gonna open that door and so we, we come and we ask this morning a couple of questions. We, we, we've got to, to stop asking the world to give us what, what the world can't give us. We've got to stop asking the world to fill us in a way that only God can fill us. And, and so what we've got to ask is, 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 is what, what's Jesus trying to say? And I think what he's trying to say here is that God is anxious to answer when we ask. God is anxious to satisfy us when we seek him. And God is anxious to open himself up to us when we come knocking. So we've got to ask, what is it that God gives when we ask? And what is it that we find when we seek? And what is it that's open to us when we knock? So let's take a minute and answer those three questions this morning. What is it that God gives us when we ask? Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Is Jesus talking about stuff? Is he talking about, if you ask, I'll give you the new car? If you ask, I'll give you a perfect spouse? If you ask, I'll give you... And fill in the blank, is that really where Jesus is going with this? I don't think so. I think Jesus is saying there's one thing that can fill your heart. There's one thing that every one of us share in common. And that is this desire to find real love. And so what does God give us when we ask? He gives us himself. You ask, God says, and I will give you myself. I will give you this this intimacy with me and I'll give you me and everything that comes with me. Because you see, guys, the greatest thing God can give us is not the stuff of this world. The greatest thing God can give us is himself. And if we really believe that, then we would seek after him above everything else but but the reality is we say that we say yeah i know god's the greatest thing and i know if god would just give me god then i would be i'd have everything i need we we know that in our head but somehow that message sometimes doesn't make it to our heart it we 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 can say you know what's the greatest thing god could give us and everyone was gonna say well god could give us himself that'd be the greatest thing then why are we still chasing after the world Why am I still chasing after the approval of others? Why am I still chasing after man's applause? Why am I still pursuing a career to somehow bring me fulfillment and make me feel worthy and important? If I really believed, I mean really believed, that that my soul satisfaction, that everything my heart longs for could be found in Christ, I would stop chasing after all these other things. And this is a point that Jesus is trying to make here. What is it that God gives us when we ask? He gives us himself, which is the best that we could ever hope for. And yet sometimes God does that and we go, whoa, 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 wait. That that wasn't what I asked for. I, I was really thinking about this, God. And God says, I gave you something much better. I make myself available to you. There's nothing better than that. And it's like we look past the greatest gift to see where that thing is that we thought would make us happy. You see, when you enter into a relationship, you not only get the person, but you get everything that comes with that person, right? As we raised our kids, we tried to say to our kids, hey, don't just look at the person, but look at... Everything that comes with that person. Now, for you and I, in our relationship with God, that's a good thing. If I get a relationship with God and I get everything that comes with him, that's pretty cool. That that means that, that when I get God, I get God and I get all the resources and all the love and all the stuff that God could bring with him. Because I get God plus all that baggage. It's a great deal for me it's not such a good deal for God, right? Because what does God get when God gets us? He gets us and all of our baggage. So it's a great deal for us. It's not such a good deal for God. And yet God loves us enough that he's willing to take us and our baggage because God knows he can change the baggage. God can correct that and God can and change that. And so he brings us into relationship with him. So what, do we, what, do we, what does God give us when we ask? He gives us himself. He gives us that unconditional love that our hearts have longed for, but we could never, ever achieve. He gives us this, this love that says, it's all grace. It's not about your works. It's a righteousness, but it's not a righteousness of your own. It's a righteousness that comes by Christ. He gives us everything that we need To be completely satisfied in Him. You got personal needs? God brings everything He needs. He's the supplier, He's the source of all that we need. You got questions? God's got the answers because He's the truth, the way, and the truth, and the life. You need wisdom about a decision that you've got to make. You need power to get through something that, that you don't have the strength to accomplish. You, you need, you need uh, boldness to be able to step out of your comfort zone and do what God's asked you to do. All of those things God makes available because when we get God, we get all of that. In fact, over in Luke, Luke kind of tells the same story again. It's a different setting, but it's the same story again. And, and he says that Jesus says, how, how much more if your fathers know how to give you good gifts, how much more does your father know how to give you the Holy Spirit? What do you get when you get the Holy Spirit? You get all the spiritual gifts. Not not necessarily all the spiritual gifts, but, but all the spiritual gifts that you need to do what God's called you to do. You see, when we get God, we get everything that we need to be who God's called us to be. To do what God's called us to do. And so what does God give when we ask? He gives us himself and everything that comes with that. Now, back in the book of James, he talks about the fact that we need to, to come and to ask. And he says, you know, if you, if you lack wisdom, James chapter 1, if you lack wisdom, you don't know what to do. You're not sure how to respond. You're not sure who's telling you the truth and who's not telling you the truth. He's, he's just talked about, in, in Matthew chapter 7, he's just talked about the fact that, that, that we don't want to throw our, our pearls before pigs and we don't want to cast our what's holy before dogs. Well, how do I know? He's fixing to spend the rest of chapter 7 warning them about false prophets, warning them about examining the fruit on the tree to, to know who's, who's, who's real and who's a pretender, to, to know when, when we're building a solid foundation and when we're building a house on sand. He's, how do we know those things? Well, we need God's wisdom and we need God's insight to be able to do that. And James says this, he says, he says if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And God gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, God, when I come to God and I ask a question, God's not going to say, boy, you're stupid. Why are you asking me that? He's going to give the wisdom that I'm asking for. As parents, we love it when our kids come and ask us for help or ask us for wisdom. We, we love it when others will, will look at us and say, you know what, I've got a question. Can I ask you a question and can you help me? To find an answer. I told our group last night. One of the things that I love about Dalton. Is that Dalton knows how to ask good questions. A good learner knows how to ask good questions. And Dalton doesn't just assume that he knows everything. But he'll come and he asks people that he looks up to. Guys that he he uh, trusts. He asks them questions. And man, I just... I think if I had done that when I was younger, instead of just pretending that I knew it all, how much farther along that I would be. And James says, when you've got a question, ask the Lord. If you need wisdom, ask God. And he will give it, not just sparingly, but give it generously to all who ask. And it says, and it will be given to him. But there's a condition on that. Look at verse six. But when he asks, he must believe And not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. Here's what James is saying. When you come to the Lord and you ask for wisdom, God's going to be faithful to give that to you. But then trusting that what he's telling you is the truth. Trust that what he said to you is honest and it's reliable and you can take it to the bank. Sometimes what we do is we come to God and we say, God, I'd really like to know what you say about so-and-so. And And really what we're saying is, God, I want you to confirm what I've already decided. I want you to rubber stamp my plans and to say, this is it, this is great. Instead of coming to God and saying, God, look, I, I don't know whether to go this way or to go that way. I don't know what's best and what's good. And I need you to help me determine that. And God answers us, and we say, well, wait a minute, but I was thinking, God, and God's like, do you trust me? Do you trust that when you ask, I'm going to answer, and do you trust that when I answer, it's going to be the truth? And sometimes we want to get in this dialogue with God, in this conversation where we think we can change God's mind. And God says, don't do that. Come to me, ask me for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, and then trust me. Don't be double-minded. Don't have your mind set on one thing trying to convince me of another. That's not the way that it's it's to work out. And so he says, look, come and trust me and and see what I do. I want to give you myself, my best, and everything that comes with me. You ask, and it will be given to you. Then he says, you seek and you will find. So what do we find when we seek? I think we find a God who's faithful every step of the way. We find in God an acceptance that we can't find in other people. An acceptance that comes not because I've deserved it or I've earned it, but an acceptance that comes because God loves me. Jesus says, you didn't love me first, I loved you first. I've accepted you. I've made you my child. I've adopted you. I think we find forgiveness when we seek the Lord. The forgiveness that covers all of our mistakes, all of our failures. Forgiveness that deals with the baggage that we bring into this relationship with God. So we find faithfulness. We find acceptance. We find forgiveness. We find grace. That gift that god gives that we could never earn or never deserve that grace that's so amazing and i think what jesus is saying here is that when we seek you know what we really find total satisfaction in jesus our soul is satisfied in him in a way that it would never be satisfied with the things of this world we're content in Christ. And, and Paul talks about that. He says, I, I know what it is to have much and I know what it is to have nothing. And I've learned to be content in whatever God chooses because God gives me his best and nothing less. When we seek, that means we pursue. It's, Jesus tells a story of, of the guy who finds the treasure in the field. He covers it up and he runs off and he gathers up his money and he comes back and he buys that field. He's a treasure hunter seeking something of great value. Tells a story about the, the one who found the pearl of great price and sold everything and came back and bought that one pearl. That's the kind of seeking that God calls us to, to seek him more than we would seek anything else in this world, to to put all of our eggs in that basket with the Lord, to say, Lord, you and you alone are worth everything that I have and everything that I'll ever have. You are my treasure. He's just said in Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And so Jesus calls us back to that again. He reminds us of that again here in this passage where he says, seek and you will find. What am I going to find? I'm going to find a God that's faithful, a God that that, that delivers what he promises. He's a God that that gives it to us, the God that is worth it all. That's what we find when we seek. We seek with all of our heart. Guys, we can say we seek God, but if we're still chasing after this world, if we're still expecting the world to fulfill that emptiness inside of us, then we are going to be disappointed and we are going to grow angry. So he gives us himself. When we seek, we find him to be faithful. And we find that satisfaction that our soul longs for. So what does God open when we knock? Knock. I think it's a picture. Jesus uses a a story in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. It's a a verse to believers. It's a verse that's written to church. We use it a lot of times in evangelism. But but the reality is Jesus is saying, look, you you got me locked on the outside. Let me come in. And and we will have an intimate relationship. We will have a a relationship that goes beyond anything you've ever known before. If you'll just open up your heart and let me in. Well, that same image is, is reversed now. And God's saying, if you'll knock... I'm going to open up the door, and I'm going to let you come in and have fellowship with me. I'm going to open up myself to you. I'm, I, you know, we wouldn't know anything about God if God didn't reveal it. We wouldn't know anything about God if God didn't allow us to know those things. And God's saying, when you, when you, when you ask and when you seek and when you knock, I'm available to you. It's a picture of, of somebody coming to your door and knocking and, and saying, Hey man, I, I want to come in and visit with you. I want to come in and hang out. I wanna, can I just come in and get to know you better? Now, we don't just invite anybody into our homes. but We invite those into our homes that we want to go deeper with. That we want to know more intimately. That we want to have a, a, a stronger relationship with. And God's saying here, when you come knocking... I'm willing to open up and I'm willing to let you come in. I'm, I'm there and, and, and I want this intimacy with you. So what does God open up? He opens up himself and he opens up a whole new relationship of intimacy with us. We are invited in for fellowship, for relationship, for intimacy. What's Jesus saying? I'm not going to leave you hanging outside. I'm not going to look out the window and see who it is, turn off the lights and pretend like I'm not home. I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to invite you to come on in. When we ask and we seek and we knock, we get a lot more than just stuff. We get God himself. We get satisfaction for our soul that that nothing in this world can compare to. And we get intimacy with God that goes beyond anything that we ever dreamed would be possible in this world. All three of these verbs ask seek and knock are, are written in a verb tense that literally means to keep on asking to keep on seeking and to keep on knocking it's, it's it's showing that this relationship moves forward and it just keeps on getting better and better and 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 it's not just a coming to God once and asking for something but it's coming to God for every need that we have and and so there's a need in my life today Lord and, and I come to you and I ask Lord, I want to be in a relationship with you, and I ask, and I seek after you like I would seek after nothing else, and Lord, I knock on that door, and I say, Lord, take me deeper than we've ever gone before. Teach me to love you more today than I loved you yesterday. It's a continual process. It's not just a one-time thing. It's us getting up today and saying, Lord, I'm yours. This day is yours. You've created me. You've created this day. How do you want to use me today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How would you like to use my life for your glory? It's that continual relationship that just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. If you're in a good marriage, you you understand what I'm describing. Where you love somebody today as much as you think is humanly possible. And then you wake up tomorrow and you find yourself deeper in love than you were the day before. I thought the day that I married Janet was like the pinnacle. You know, you always heard of dating brings out the best and marriage brings out the rest. You know, okay, we've, we've hit this. I love her more than I could ever, 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 ever love her. And we've been married for 50 something years now. Not really. But every, every day, I'm amazed at how God can take our love to another level. And, and it's not that you notice it every single day, but there's times you just, you just wake up and you go, you know what, I thought last year was good. This year beat it. And, and in our relationship with God, it's like, man, God, this, this just can't get any better. And God says, oh yeah, well, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and you just watch where this thing can go. Now again, this is radical for the Jews to be hearing that that the God that created everything, the God that they can't even say his name, that he wants to be in an intimate relationship with me? This is is radical. This would be what the the Pharisees would call blasphemy, that that Jesus is is bringing us to God's level or God to our level. That's blasphemy. And Jesus says, no, that's gospel. That's the truth. And it changes who we are. It, it changes the whole equation. To illustrate this, Jesus uses a, a verse, a couple of verses, a story about a father and a son. Again, he's changed that tone to this father and son type thing. And, and look what he says in verse 9 he says, Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, you're you're corrupt, your human nature, your flesh is not good, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, Luke comes back and adds, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? The giver of all gifts. What Jesus is saying sounds pretty straightforward. If as a dad, I know how to give good things to my kids and I take delight in giving good things to my kids, how much more will my father delight in giving me his very best? But but Jesus uses two illustrations here, and I think he's trying to say more than just, hey, God knows how to bless you. I, I think he's trying to say something different. He says, he, you ask for bread, you're not going to get a stone. Those two could look a lot alike, a, a small loaf of bread and a, and a, and a small rock. And, 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 and you, could, you could picture a, an evil father pulling out a stone from behind his back saying, you want some bread? Are you hungry? Oh, Dad, I'm starving. Well, you ask me, I'll give it to you. Okay, here's a rock. He's saying God's not going to deceive you. And and God's not going to disappoint you. you. You ask him for something that will quench that hunger within you. He's not going to give you a cold hard rock. He's not going to just give you a principle to live by. He's going to bring you into a relationship with him that will fill you like you've never been filled before. He says, if you have a son that asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. Now He's not talking about a live snake that's going to bite you. That's, that's what I was first thinking about. But As I studied this, they said, you know, snakes were, were some of the forbidden food. You, you, they were unclean. A snake was unclean and you're not allowed to eat A snake, just like they wouldn't eat pigs in that day. And I think what he's trying to say here is that when you ask God and you seek God, he's not going to defile you. He's not going to lead you down a path that's going to harm you. He's not going to lead you a path that's going to take you farther from him. He's going to lead you in a direction that brings you closer to him. Jesus is saying, God's not going to deceive you. He's not going to, to disappoint you. And he's not going to defile you. He's looking out for your best. And he delights in giving you that best when he gives you himself. So he brings us into this relationship. And God never promises what he cannot deliver. Satan does. False prophets do. Temptation does. But God does not. He never promises something that he cannot deliver. And he's saying this personal relationship with God is available to all who will ask, all who will seek, and to all who will knock. And this relationship changes us at our core. You see, as long as that need goes unmet in me, I'm going to spend all of my energy and all of my time trying to find a way to meet those needs. Until I'm fully loved and unconditionally loved, I'm going to do things, sometimes good and sometimes bad, but I'm going to do things to try to find that love and to fill that emptiness. Because somebody who is starving and somebody who is is hungry is not thinking about feeding somebody else. They're thinking about finding their next meal. And until I find that satisfaction and I find everything I need in God, I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm just worried about me. You ever met somebody that's just starving to death? I mean literally about to to pass away and you put food before them. they say, oh, well, let me just take this and give it to somebody else. It's rare that you'd ever find somebody to do that. So we've got to find in Christ what our, our hearts long for. And when we do, it changes what we're able to do and what we're able to see and what we're able to focus upon going forward. So Jesus is asking to be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds in him and knocks. The door will be open. And then in verse 12, he puts in a verse that seems at the, at the outset to be kind of out of place. But I really think it's, it's perfect placement he says so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets does that sound out of place here's here's what i think that jesus is 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 hitting at when you find in god your soul satisfaction that hunger, that, that, that vacuum, that emptiness, that, that hole inside of you is finally filled. Guess what you're able to do? You're able to start thinking about others. No longer is it about what can I do today to get my needs met. But now I can start asking, Lord, how do you want to use me to meet somebody else's needs? how do you wanna use me, God, to bless somebody else? And my whole focus is taken off of me and placed upon others. Because finally my soul has found satisfaction. My hunger has been filled, my thirst has been quenched. And now I can think about others. And, and the neat thing that Jesus says here is, is not just, hey, do good things for other people, but he says this sums up the law and the prophets. And you know that legalism you've been trying to do? <laughs> the relationship solves it. That all those check boxes that you've been checking off every single day and trying to say, okay, I did good for this. I helped the old lady across the street. I, 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 I did all my checkbox today. Jesus says, you know what? All that stuff just falls into place. When you ask and you seek and you pursue God, And God gives and gives and gives and gives of Himself to you, and you're satisfied. And now, instead of being in a legalistic relationship, all those rules just get summed up in this love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever you would have them to do unto you, you do that unto them. And that fulfills the law. Because it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship. It's about walking in intimacy with God. It's about finding in Him everything your soul longs for. And then, and then you're able to focus on helping others. It's what Jesus has just said right before this about taking that plank out of your own eye so you can help to Take the sawdust out of your brother's eye. It's, it's, that was a negative. This is the positive side of that. Jesus is saying, guys, God wants you in an intimate relationship with him. He wants you to follow him. He's revealing why he came. He's exposed the fundamental flaw of trying to look to this world to feel what only God can feel. And he's making known this singular solution, which is an intimate relationship with God that changes us at our core and changes how we relate to those around us. So this morning as we close, we've got to ask ourselves this question. Am I looking to God for my satisfaction and my fulfillment and for all that I need? Or am I looking to this world to provide what it could never, ever provide? Am I going to be satisfied or am I going to be disappointed? Am I going to be fulfilled or am I going to be hungry? Because who we look to determines what we get. This world makes great promises, it just can't deliver. And the sad thing is, most people in our world don't even realize what they're missing. Some of us as believers don't realize what we're missing. Because we, we say we love God, but we're still pursuing the world. And that's like a man saying to his wife, baby, I love you. I'm just going to pursue other women. That's why James called it an adulterous relationship. So we really need to ask the question today. This is where Jesus is headed with this. Who who am I looking to to bring me satisfaction, to, to give me worth, to give me value? Who am I looking to for that unconditional love? If you expect your spouse to do that, you're, you're going to be disappointed again and again and again. Spouses are incredible, and they are a blessing to us beyond what we deserve. But God never made your spouse to be your God. God never made your spouse to be your supplier. God didn't make your kids to be that either. He and he alone can do that. And anytime we look to anyone else to do that or anything else to do that, we will end up disappointed. That's what Jesus is saying today. Here's here's the key. You got a God who says if you ask I give you myself. If you seek, you're going to find satisfaction in me. And if you knock, I'm going to open the door and invite you in, and we are going to get to know each other, and we're going to build a relationship that's going to go just unbelievable. So who are you looking to today? Teenagers, college students, young adults, old adults, all of us. Who are we looking to to define us and to satisfy us? And if it's anyone other than God, we're going to be disappointed. Our religion can't even do that. Only God can. So let's pray. And let's ask God to examine us and to show us what it is that we're looking to.